Now tell me about your struggle and I can tell you about mine. Welcome, friends. This is the official version of the Underground Writing Podcast for the week of August 13th, 2018. I'm Matt Malian, Director of Underground Writing. And I'm Alvin Shim, Producer for the Underground Writing Podcast. On our bi-weekly podcast, we read and discuss a piece of writing by an Underground Writing student and briefly update listeners about what's happening in the program as a whole. Because we're a creative writing program serving at-risk populations, we do not mention students by name. We hope you enjoy this edition of the podcast. Today we're featuring a student uh, piece of writing from our YMCA Oasis Daylight Center site. And the Daylight Center is a safe place for community teens to gather during the day that includes meals and arts and crafts, educational workshops. Uh, They have a computer lab for vocational and academic support. Uh, and they have different activities offered throughout the day. The poem is entitled, I Too Sing America. I too sing America, in hospital beds, wires stuck to my skull with heavy glue, in an office checking yes to disability, clarifying, I have epilepsy, but they aren't listening after that. The I have, the yes. I too sing America, In my nightmares of fire and threats, the news eagerly shares. In school, working ahead, because if the medicine fails, I can't take back the time. I too sing America. They hear epilepsy and pretend they can't hear me. So this is a poem that comes out of a prompt that we've used quite a bit in underground writing. And in the last episode, we talked about the concept of aftering a poem or, re, or riffing with a pre-existing piece of literature. And so this, this piece of literature is written after Langston Hughes' poem, I Too. And I think it would be, it would be good to, to read that maybe, so I'll, I'll do that. I Too. I Too sing America. I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes, but I laugh and eat well and grow strong. Tomorrow, I'll be at the table when company comes. Nobody will dare say to me, eat in the kitchen, then. Besides, they'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed. I, too, am America. So we've brought that poem in, the Langston Hughes poem in, to the workshops quite a bit to have the students interact with it because it's it's a very uh, generative piece of writing by Hughes. And it calls forth students' uh, thoughts on their place and uh, things they have to say. And Langston Hughes' poem is also a riff or an aftering on something he was reading as a young man in the 20s and 30s, or even slightly before that, uh, Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass, um, where over and over Whitman is talking about what he sees in America and cataloging it, literally cataloging it, line after line after line of what he's seen in America how he's seen himself as part of America, you know, near, near the start of the the start of the poem in a section sometimes uh, titled "I Hear America Singing," he's listing things like mechanics and carpenters and masons and boatmen's and uh, shoemakers, woodcutters. But I think Langston Hughes, looking at this in his context and his time, didn't see himself fully in Whitman's poem. So he writes, uh, "Well, I too." I, too, I'm going to insert myself in the canon of literature. I, too, am part of America, and uh, I want to place myself in that. So we, when we take the poem into our sites, 
again, it's a generative for conversation and writing, and it provides a couple of angles for engagement with a student. One is that as they're looking at the piece of writing, Langston Hughes, they may or may not see themselves in that poem. Or in the writing that we discuss in general in underground writing workshop, uh, in a given workshop or overall, they may not see themselves. We try to choose pieces where they will see themselves sometimes, mm -hmm. but not all the pieces are they going to see themselves in. And so we, we say, well, write something where you, where you see yourself, where you're represented. And the other thing that it does is, and this is more subtle, one will not be represented as a writer and your writing will not be represented in the canon of literature if we take that as a whole, not just what is known and famous, but the whole of it. You will not do that unless you're writing. So by writing, you're inserting yourself in that, uh, what I like to, to think of as this uh, surging river of literature that runs through time. And so they're uh, writing I2 pieces so that they can see themselves better in representing who they are, but also then they become part of this river, which is exciting. Both those angles are exciting for the students, and I think they really respond well. Um, this student at Oasis, for example, really powerful poem. And um, I cannot readily call to mind a poem that uh, engages the subject of epilepsy at all in recent memory. I, mm -hmm. And I could, you know, if I, if we Google it or something, we might be able to find some, but it doesn't come easily to mind. So that in itself is very unique, and I like that it's part, it's engaging with this history of literature, but it's also this new thing that's not all that common mm -hmm. in poetry. So again, that, that section I hear America singing from Whitman, I hear America singing the varied carols I hear, those of mechanics, each one singing his as it should be blithe and strong, the carpenter singing his as he measures his plank or beam, the mason singing his as he makes ready for work, or leaves off work, the boatman singing what belongs to him in his boat, the deckhand singing on the steamboat deck, the shoemaker singing as he sits on his bench, the hatter singing as he stands. So again, a lot of different things that are seen in there, but mm -hmm. I don't think Langston Hughes saw himself in that or in other parts of the poem. And I think we're also in this time, it's, it's not unique uh, in the sense of people are rising up and saying, hey, mm -hmm. we want to be represented too. Look at us. We, we're part of this too. That, that's not unique, but we are in a resurgence of that. I feel like we're in a resurgence of that in our current American context from anything from various uh, new and improved and strengthening women's movements or movements that are discussing gender or sexuality. And no matter what anyone thinks or whatever position they have, those things are important because people need to be seen. This student writing the poem at the Oasis site, it's not only an assertion, but it's this need to be seen mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a real way, in an appropriate way, in a way that's not marginalized and hidden or never discussed. Uh, the reaction of Langston Hughes' poem, he says, he laughs and he gets stronger and they'll apologize to me and I'll laugh and things like that. Uh, there's less of a triumphant turn mm. in this in this poem, not good or bad. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there's that kind of like uh, I'll stick it to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I'll show you. I, I'll rise. Yeah. you know the, those kind of sentiments. Yeah, and you don't w with the student's poem here. You it feels like it doesn't feel like defeat either. It feels like just simply naming. Right. You know, and this is like an exposure of what happens, and. Uh, probably also uh, some, not defeat, but 
various uh, notes of discouragement. You know, mm-hmm. I have I have epilepsy, but they aren't listening after that. Again, the naming, but to me, that in my sense, in my ear, that kind of has a connotation of this resigned sighing mm-hmm. um, and, and frustration. I really like Walt Whitman, but I always appreciated how cinematic mm. his vignettes were. Mm. And there was a there was a great discussion once about white male relatively comfortable living mm. producing art that I don't know how much one could argue he gives of himself in his work, but it's more like whether he's trying or not, he is being the objective, this is what I see, and here's a list of details about it. I don't think there's, in that, in that poem certainly, there's there's a larger resistance in the tone of what Whitman wrote, just by virtue of its originality, I think. Hmm. But it's less less focused than, than this poem uh, from this student and from Hughes. Yeah, it's a it's a powerful poem. I, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, one of the I think one of the more powerful poems that have come out of this specific prompt. It's such a courageous declaration, even to to say I too sing America is. Well, I think it it it's just I I, I like even as sitting here thinking and you saying that, it's courageous and it's needed because we hear. You know, if you're if you're tuned in at all mm-hmm. to television or news on the radio or newspapers, obviously there's all sorts of variations and kind of degrees of what we're talking about. But there is kind of one dominant narrative of, or or you could make a case for it being one kind of dominant narrative of negativity mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, destruction, chaos, tension, fighting, violence. Um, and so a poem like this brings another perspective. It's another voice. Not only I, too, am America, but here's another perspective. This is going on, too. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it subverts, even reading it, subverts temporarily the dominant narrative. And you can get outside that and read something else. And this is challenging, too. I wouldn't, it's not negative. It's, it's challenging because it's, by turns, discouraging or um, painful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels it's it's more real. It's more, and in our case, it's more local. You know, this is happening in our community. Mm-hmm. This is someone in our community. I also I was listening to an on being segment the other day, which is a podcast I really like. And she she was ta- Krista Tippett was talking about one of the disciplines, and and she would even call it a spiritual discipline. One of the disciplines she practices is she limits the amount of news she takes in mm-hmm. because, which I think is great. You can't be oblivious, but you can't know everything and she's saying and i agree with it that we shouldn't know everything we as humans aren't created the amount of information we can take in is Mm -hmm. beyond our capacity to what we're actually probably created to be able to handle Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. I think this poem i think this poem is a it's a good insertion of not only in the canon and a riff and an aftering to previous works of literature which it is but it's also just this courageous statement like you're saying and an alternative perspective to the dominant stuff we're hearing mm-hmm. a lot. And maybe not, not an exact reversal or opposing, but just a different perspective that allows you to, to kind of see things in a new light. And the creator of the poem, putting this out for an audience to read, that, put, that, puts, the, that puts it on us. I mean, you're saying it kind of puts the ball in our court mm-hmm. at a certain point. And I think, I think for me, this poem informs how 
I might interact with the specific student who wrote it. Mm-hmm. Like I can understand this student's perspective a bit better. And I did not know this before I read the poem. So I didn't know. But it also, like, I guarantee you, if I'm talking to someone and they mention they have epilepsy, this poem's going to immediately come to my mind. Mm-hmm. In a really important way, this poem, reading this poem, and the experience of being in the workshop when this student wrote it, and knowing the student on an ongoing basis, has changed me for the better. It's had a positive change in, in me. Mm-hmm. Part of my poetics and my thinking about poetry and language is that language is not... Words are not inactive, that words somehow have agency. So if we take them in, like food has agency when we take it in to help nourish us and change us, I think words can do that same thing. And Mm -hmm. so this poem is a good example of that. By taking it in and reading it, I have been changed. And therefore, I see see the world differently uh, because of this poem. And that can happen over and over with anything we read, Mm -hmm. you know. Particularly if it's strong, vivid, important, um, and and well-written, which Mm -hmm. this is. Yep. What's going on in the world of underground writing? This month, uh, at the end of August, the last week of August, we will have an intensive workshop in juvenile detention at the site there. And this will be the second time we've done this. In August, they do not have school while mm-hmm. they're inside. It's the one month of the year that they don't go to school while they're in there. And so we're going to do uh, Monday through Friday, mid-morning. We will have a workshop five days in a row. And this allows us to have some continuity with the students in there. It also allows us to do something unique. Last time we did an intensive, we just did a lot of kind of workshop playing that was connected to each other with various prompts and that sort of thing. This time, uh, we're real excited to do a a week-long intensive on the book, on a certain book, one book. And the book that we've chosen is called Long Way Down. It's a young adult novel by Jason Reynolds. And it is currently, it was released last year, and it's currently sweeping all the young adult fiction awards basic setup is that uh, the main character's brother has been murdered in, in gang violence and he is in his apartment grabs a gun and heads to the elevator to go downstairs and seek revenge. The whole novel takes place in under two minutes and then on the he lives on the seventh floor of his apartment building. Each floor that he goes down the elevator stops and a ghost gets on and the ghost is a person that he knows Mm -hmm. from his past or present and they have a discussion and the discussion can be anything from memories to what are you doing right now to insights into his life and his brother the book is written in a free verse poem it's a very quick read the message uh, we're not doing it only for the message but i think the message is thinking through alternatives to violence for for our problems Um, And I think the youth inside Judy are really going to respond well to the text. It's written in a format and language and subject matter that they're going to be interested in. One of our teachers, Jennifer Bradbury, is a young adult novelist herself, and her and Jason have the same publisher and editor. And so he is going to get us a bunch of free copies for the students, Mm -hmm. uh, likely to be signed. And even though he's on a world book tour, there's a possibility he might drop in via Skype to do a little chat with the students, that might not work. 
uh, granted, but we're excited about the possibility. And at the end of the workshop, each student will finalize a piece of writing that Jen Bradbury will help us facilitate getting those pieces of student writing to Jason Reynolds and the editor is a thank you. So it's a really cool project and Jen Jen put together kind of an overview curriculum structure for us and she's an extremely talented teacher. I'm excited for all of us to get to engage with her ideas and curriculum and, and to kind of modify it per teacher personality a little uh, for our various workshops and, and have fun have fun doing it. It's the first time we've done something like this and so it's exciting. Listeners, if you would be interested in hearing about the response from juvenile detention students as they read through this book about violence and gang activity, stay tuned. So you mentioned Randy Brewer. She's the site host at the YMCA Oasis Daylight Center. We have something coming up with her, right? Yeah, we're going to do a feature um, on the podcast called the Underground Writing Community Spotlight. And that is someone that's connected to underground writing in one way or another, do a little podcast featuring that person. So our first go at this is going to be uh, Randy Brewer from the YMCA Oasis Daylight Center. She's the site host, the person that we dialogue with about how it's going or what we need or what they need. The community can get to know her a bit better and, and see what she has to say about her work and her interaction with underground writing. And, and we hope you enjoy it. So be on the lookout for that in the next few weeks. Here's a small preview of the upcoming podcast with Randy Brewer. My part in underground writing has been not only as the facilitator, bring them in here, but I also get to participate with youth, which is the highlight of my day. It's so amazing to see youth come in here and they say, oh, I can't write or I'm not good at creative writing and I don't want to do that. And then they meet our facilitator and they see what we're doing and suddenly, you know, they're a poet and they're a reader. And that's something that they didn't come in here thinking. Today's featured writing is from What No One Ever Tells You, Underground Writing's first anthology of student writing. The book is scheduled for release in fall 2018. We'll have another episode for you in a couple of weeks. Let us know what you thought about this episode. Email us at info at undergroundwriting.org Connect with us via our website, undergroundwriting.org. Spread the word about our work by mentioning us on social media. The Underground Writing Podcast is recorded and produced by Alvin Shim and Underground Writing. You can access it via iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast outlets, as well as on our website, where we include links of interest connected to items mentioned in each episode. The featured music for this podcast is by The Eisenhowers from the album The Road We Once Knew. Our current theme music is provided by Luis Lopez and the Migrant Leaders Club in the Mount Vernon School District. I'm Alvin Shim. And I'm Matt Malian. Thanks for listening.